They 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 sneak up on you. They do. They usually <laughs> sneak up on me. It's like, wait, I had this. Oh yeah, I've forgotten about that one. Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Yes, RC Roundtable this is. Listening you are. Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you're listening to the RC Roundtable. I am Fitz Walker, and joining me is... The hopefully lucid Lee Ray. <laughs> Hello, I'm here. Yes, me. And of course, Terry Dunn. Heidi Ho there. Is it uh, still snowing there? It is still snowing. Oh man, you're not gonna. It's not gonna ever stop, is it? Um, I'm starting to think that. You're in perpetual winter. That's what you get for moving to upstate New York. Yeah, there are worse things. Yeah, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> and talking this about Canada, the Arctic, the Arctic circles. That's my neighbor you're talking about, man. <laughs> you got to say A at the end of that one. It's like my, my neighbor you're talking about, A. There you go. Hoser. <laughs> Stop, you hoser. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, let's get the show on the road. That's right. First up on the new items list is the... Great Plains Slow Ride. This just popped up. Actually, it's Tower Hobbies, isn't it? It's the Tower Hobbies. Tower Hobbies yes. Slow Ride. Excuse me, I screwed that one up. Uh, Tower Hobbies Slow Ride. And this one just popped up. Uh, just came up the last couple of days, right? Yesterday. It? Yesterday, yeah. Hot off the press. This was a surprise. Uh, first of all, it was designed by our friend Gary Wright, who has been on the show previously. And it uh, looks like he's got a, another design that was up his belt that he didn't mention. Uh, and my first thought is, I wonder, it, the tail reminds me a lot of the E3D. Looks like Yeah, it's, it's very characteristic for him. Yeah. Now, I think he might have talked about this plane when he was on the show, but I remember seeing his prototype at the Neat Fair last year. Ah. And the idea is just a super lightweight floater kind of plane. And it certainly, the way he was flying it, it meets that qualification. Did you, did you see the wing loading on this thing? Um... Him on the ARF? Yes. Uh, I didn't notice. What is it? I assume single digits. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, was it six? Give me one second. Seven, seven to nine ounces. Uh, per square foot. Yeah, seven to nine foot. ounces. So, yeah, that's what you'd find on a glider usually. And yes. being an ARF, that's pretty impressive because usually you have to you know, make some concessions for mass production. But that's pretty darn good if they're able to get that. Yeah, that's really impressive. And this thing's got a 63-inch wingspan, almost 64-inch wingspan. Yeah, it's not a tiny airplane. No, so it's a big airplane with that weighs almost nothing. Uh, it's very modestly powered, too. A Rimfire 28, if I remember correctly. And so the question is, what the heck is a Rimfire 28? Uh, yeah, it's a new I motor, think, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Now, when I saw Gary flying his, I believe he had that magic tower hobbies motor the thousand kv outrunner that's in a lot of the foamy arfs yes um but you know he was pushing it pretty hard in this application so i don't think they'd be comfortable selling it that way so maybe this is a new motor to kind of match this airframe i I didn't see any specs on it 
So I wonder if it's uh, I wonder if it's on their site. I don't see it. Yeah, interesting. Well, the plane's yeah. not out yet, so maybe they're they're anticipating once the plane comes out, the motor will be out at the same time. Yeah, let's hope. They're saying what mid May for the stuff to be ready. Yes, yes. Uh, but that's that's just like Gary Wright to do something like this, you know. Where a lot of people say more power and uh, uh, bigger batteries, he's sort of going in the opposite direction. More wing, more wing, lightweight, less balsa. Yeah, I mean, look at the, the fuselage; it's like a pencil. It's a flying pencil. Yeah, you you wouldn't expect that it would be able to knife edge very well, but it knife edges very well, at least when Gary's flying it. And it's got the side force generators, which yeah. I'm sure help. I know I've got some photos of his flying. I don't remember if I took any video, but I'll check my archives and see what I can come up with. Was he flying inside or outside with this? This was outside. Oh, okay. Yeah. Probably could have been inside the way he was flying it. Yeah, I mean, it's got to weigh nothing. It looks like it'd be a really fun plane. Just got to put around. Probably a killer, quote-unquote, fun fly plane for those events, clubs that have fun fly events. Oh, yeah. You can do all kinds of crazy stuff with it uh, at low speed. Well, it's got some major throws back there. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be Gary Rife if it didn't have, like, you know, their 90-degree throws on all the control surfaces. Yeah. I, I did look up uh, some Rimfire motors, and so the Rimfire 25, <clears throat> you're right, there's no 28 listed on on uh, their website, but the 25 is a 1,000 kV, and the 32 is an 800 kV. So, you know, he's taking those specs from that 400 motor and just kind of sticking it right in between there. So maybe they made a custom motor. Yeah, you know, maybe so. Played with it. And they're saying this flies with, what, 2100 to... Batteries as small as 2100 million power? Yeah, 3 to 4S, 2100 to 4000. So it's a pretty <laughs> good range, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a big airplane for a 2200. Yeah, and it's funny. Anyway. They, they actually say on it that this is for slow flying. Uh, where did I see that somewhere? Um I just thought it was funny to make a point of saying this. It's designed to develop for high-level, super-slow 3D maneuvers. Yeah. Yeah, so I wonder if, you know, obviously there's always somebody that's going to say, yeah, well, I'm going to put a Rimfire 50 and six cells and see how fast this thing will go and, and wonder why all the control surfaces got ripped off of it. Oh, yeah? I'm going to put a 40 with a tuned pipe on mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did I ever tell you guys about that... Uh... Uh, precision, what is it, precision aircraft addiction that I bought? Yeah. Y you familiar with no. the addiction? Like a, a very light, a kind of an airplane like this, but a little smaller park flyer size. Yeah, they're real popular. I, yeah, and I bought one, and I got a cheap price on it because the previous owner had added a quarter-inch thick plywood firewall to the front to put a nitro motor on and uh. then gave up on it. <laughs> now, this thing is made out of, I don't know, like, Toothpick size carbon fiber and balsa, and I, I have no idea what it would have done when he started that engine, but I don't think it would have been pretty. <laughs> There's always somebody in the crowd. Yeah. That's yeah, so what makes this hobby interesting. Yeah. So, anyway, I resurrected it, and it was a nice flying airplane. Hmm. I'm just, I'm having a fun time looking at the uh, overhead view of the airplane and how the stab really is probably the size of a, you know, a ruler. <laughs> it's, oh, the, it's probably an inch thick maybe maybe the non-moving part <laughs> yeah it's just like it's just all elevator yeah, it, <laughs> the stab's just there for the white 
monocoat to match the leading edge of the wing. No, it's just to hold the hinges. <laughs> yeah, it's just a hinge mount. It's not a stabilizer. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why don't you just go to all moving surfaces in this point? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I don't get excited about many sport plane ARFs, but I, I think I could find one of these in my shop. This wouldn't be the one that'd be real fun just to see how slow you can make it do stuff. A low-stress aerobatic. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I like the font. <laughs> I don't I like usually it. like graphics that come with planes either, but I like this. The slow-ride font? The, what a, uh, what a, what a great the, font on this plane. That's like the, uh, the 60s yeah. era, uh, the hippie font. Yeah, you might see it on the, the mystery van. <laughs> City Marty Croft's... Uh, uh, <laughs> Shiggly Google and company. I just want to say, I think this is the first time ever since we've been uh, having this podcast we've ever described uh, a font <laughs> as <so> pleasing <laughs> for a model review. <laughs> we're, 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 we're one of those rare podcasts you find out there <laughs> about the, the fonts on <laughs> the aircraft. We, we cover it all. Thank you, Terry. That made me laugh. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> the pain, the pain in my back is going away. <laughs> so I think medicine. the big question about this, and we'll cover this later, is this plane came out this week, and a lot of planes tend to come out the week of the Toledo show, which the Toledo show starts today, the day that we're recording this. Holy Toledo! Yeah, but at the same time, today's the day that Horizon and Hobbyco merger. So hopefully, you know, this perseveres. Hmm. Yeah, Until well, next month. we'll touch on that in the next uh, segment, but yeah, it's a good point. Yep. But I assume if they're due to arrive in May, they're already on a boat somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, this stuff was in the works months, years from now, uh, before now. So uh, that was sort of the avalanche had already started, so the pebbles had no say in the matter. Uh, okay. Well, we'll see how that goes. All right, uh, next up. Lee, you had something that popped up. What you got? Oh, well, Spectrum has announced a new DX8E radio. I'm a Spectrum guy, and I've had a 5, a 6, a 7, an 8, and a 9. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have that 12 yet, um, or 21, or 36, whatever the number is now. 12. Um, <laughs> but what uh, I wanted to bring this up because my neighbor... Uh, Actually, we, we were talking the other day, and he was talking about getting a new radio, and uh, he was asking me about mine. I said, you know, I love my D- DX9 radio, but, um, you know, he happened to mention that he might look for a, a used DX8, and I love my DX8. I, I, I only Yours got the 9. the Gen 1 or the Gen 2? Gen 1. Okay, mine also. Yeah. So I liked <laughs> – this is, this is a little bit about me. I like to, this is one of those discussions we could have later. Do you have a receiver in every plane or do you share receivers in different planes? Well, I have a receiver in every plane. So I have maxed out the model memories in my DX8. And so instead of, you know, switching them around, I just decided I'd buy a new radio. Uh, Isn't it like 30? Yeah, it's 30. So yes, I... Wait, but it also has a card slot. It does, but I don't want to sit there and try to restore and keep track of cards it's just you know i have a dx9 now (laughs) anyway long story i still have my eight i love my dx8 when he told me he was uh looking at getting one i said yeah i mean i the eight and the nine are great radios and then poof the dx8 has been uh, e has been announced so i did a little bit of research and uh of course i don't claim to uh be the know-all of uh, spectrum radios and stuff but i'm looking at my documents here 
And uh, I like this uh, this DXAD. Um, I think for the price, it's a great deal. Um, the only thing, the only major thing that I see as a difference that I, I sent an email to Spectrum, I haven't gotten a response back, was that the DX8 is listed as having a dual antenna diversity in the transmitter, and I don't see that in the DX8E. And other than that, I mean, there's there's minor changes such as there are several pre-programmed wing types for airplanes and sailplanes and different helicopter settings, and they both have them. It's just that the the DX8 has a few more. And my style of flying would probably match everything that the E offers, not necessarily everything that's the eight. In fact, I don't know about you guys, and I think we may have had this conversation in the past, is, uh, you know, what percentage of all the features on your radio do you use? And I'm thinking 20, maybe 20% of the features, you know, and that's also because I'm not doing any helicopter stuff, but... Uh, so I, I, looking at the E, the, the one besides the dual antenna diversity, the 8 came with a lithium-ion battery, and the E comes with four AA's, which I'm assuming you can change that out. So you can, you know, you can change that, but it, it just comes stock with the, uh, the four AA's. AA dry cells or NICADs or what? Uh, I'm assuming, oh yeah, it's alkaline dry cells. Oh, uh. Uh, well, well, but does six, it have a carrier that's separate, or is it I, actually? I didn't pull that up. So I, my six, you know, I the six that I we won the the DX Black, I guess the that Austin has, it does use four uh, dry cells, and uh, it's fine. It, I really like that radio too. But long story short, I do like this DX80. It's a two. It's under two hundred dollars. It's one ninety nine. <laughs> ninety nine. Um, You're and, a marketing guy. Yeah, I mean, I, for for what I'm looking at when I'm sitting here compare, I, I think it's a, it's a good deal if you're looking for an upgrade from a DX6 or a six-channel radio. No, comes- I agree with that. I think they for a long time they were pushing that six-channel, and a lot of people get hamstrung really quickly with only six channels because so many of these new ARFs have flaps and safe and retracts and all that, and you, you use them all up. So I think there is a market for a beginner or an entry-level 8-channel. And $200 is, you know, I would consider entry-level pricing. Yeah, but I would man, too. I'm, I'm hung up on these double A's. Why would anybody want that? Well, you guys talk about that. And I will go back to my screen here and see if the manual, because I had it up here a second ago, see if the manual allows you to trade, swap that out. Because when I did the Tactic Radio Review, I liked the fact that it also had a tray, but it came with a high-tech, uh, you know, the universal high-tech, servo connector so you could so you you could pull that out and and put a soldered you know nickel metal hydride in there yeah if it doesn't have a plug that would be a deal breaker for me okay i I can forgive that they give you double a's but if they stick you with that okay well uh it's it's a little i say goofy looking uh it's got a weird curve to it Uh, have you seen are you looking at the the picture of it the transmitter housing yeah and the uh, buttons, the normal. buttons are different. Uh, on the left hand side, they looks like they're actually flush with the grip, and they're they're a lot larger than the simple little push buttons that came on the DX8. Can you see that? Yeah. Yeah, on the side. Yeah. Yeah, and and I know Fitz and I have mentioned this before, but if you know, for me, I, the the roll button's not bad, but sometimes I've you know it's just it's been slippery and stuff, so I'm not a big fan of the rolling knob. Um, it's funny you should mention that. I was programming my DX8 the other day outside in the cold, and I had, for the first time ever, had trouble with it because I had to push down on it hard enough to roll it, and that was enough to trigger the, the button action. 
that just doesn't happen in normal temperatures. Hmm. I don't think I was wearing gloves. So anyway, um, that was a new. Thing. Oh, yep. Yeah, you can change it out. It says um, installing the optional lithium-ion battery pack. So yep, yeah, you can you can take it out. It's a tray. All right. All right. Good. Feel feel better. Slightly. <laughs> the lithium-ion battery tray is two hundred dollars. Well, welcome to the scam. <laughs> No, you can also put uh, low self-discharge nickel metal hydride double A's in there too. Yeah, I didn't yeah. see that. It just it, it doesn't show that fits, but I'm assuming you can. Yeah. I mean, they're not gonna. They're they're only uh, pushing a lithium ion battery pack. Uh, but yeah, lithium lithium sure. ion lithium polymer is still the best way to go. Yeah. Sure uh, speaking of, all right, let's uh, sidetrack a little bit here. Speaking of lithium in a DX8, is it possible to use? Lipo or lithium ion in the Gen One or Gen Two DX8. Uh, I'm going to say yes because I think that's what mine is. I think mine I, I came think, with a hydride. I think I upgraded mine. Oh, okay. Well, look into that and let me know because I think my stock one's starting to give up the ghost. Okay. Well, as a Spectrum pilot, I I approve this transmitter. I approve the price and. Um, think it's worth looking into uh, i had one observation or a couple observations uh did you see how the antenna moves that's kind of neat the main antenna sw- no swivels yeah it swivels it automatically so you- tracks the airplane while you fly yeah <laughs> you can swivel it uh, so it has it can maintain a vertical position even though you're holding it at a 45 degree angle or, or such i thought that was kind of yeah. nice um but one thing i didn't notice is it doesn't seem to have any sliders on the back for the other for channels blah did you see that yeah i'm, I'm an anti-slider guy oh i i love my sliders on my transmitters on the back i use them for flaps and sometimes other stuff now i the tactic radio was the first one that i had sliders with and boy i just my fingers are just getting, really it, it, it just gets in my now I, I i'm not a i'm not a slider guy sorry oh I mean, I, I, I'm sure there's a feature where that's helpful, but for me, it's it was just a nuisance. Okay, well, it's good to note that it doesn't have sliders on the back. So if you like, if you are a slider person, note that it doesn't have sliders. <laughs> I'm going to slap on this slider kit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't get me started. Uh, and I was slightly underwhelmed with the helicopter uh, features. They're okay, but uh, it only has two swash modes. So granted, they are the two most popular that it has, but uh, a lot of the other radios have more different have more swash modes on it so so well does that reflect what's popular today like did they get rid of the options that are not really well yeah some of them are are lesser used but some of the experts will use one of them that's that's missing so um like i said as far as entry level it's just fine uh but yeah i I, thank you i was going to say yeah for if if you're an expert you're you're going to go with the the, well the nine or the 12 i guess right um yeah so, but I, I'm kind of going with Terry. I think the point was to get an eight channel that's a little bit more affordable with the most commonly used. Yeah. And, and I can't speak for helicopters. So you're right. It, yeah. The DX8 has seven swash types and the E only has two. Yeah. Although what I do like is it's got 250 internal model memory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, baby. baby give me some of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like you, Lee, uh, you know, I, I quickly outran a 30 model memory in my... Uh, save my high tech for example and and it's just it's really my own beef with that radio is it needs more than 30 models and i granted i can load and unload from the pc it's still it's really cumbersome to do that 
Uh, so I really, my next radio's got to have a large memory internal, and that's 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 I really like that. It's got 250 model memory. So both of you are going to tell me right now that you have more than 30 models in your shop right now, ready to fly with receivers. Uh, yes. Yes. That's impressive. I'm sure I'm, yeah, I'm agreeing. That's very impressive. <laughs> no, it's, 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 you know, some people call that being lazy. I just don't feel like <laughs> taking those receivers out. Uh, you know, so. Well, uh, yes, it's not I only that. It, it, sometimes you have a model in there and it's programmed, and you, even though if you swap receiver, it's still you don't want to take it out of memory because you've already set up all the trims, everything's set up, the, the timers, everything's just, just the way you wanted, and so it's a model. You may, yeah, may not have Terry. a receiver in it. It's still a model. It's still in your one. Well, and. I remember back in the early days when receivers were really expensive, I would swap them around. Yeah. And, you know, this was, of course, using non-computer radios, too. But now I'm trying to think of any instance where I've taken a receiver out of a plane that I wasn't selling. Well, I'm going to say before high-tech came around, this is going back in time, since we're going to reminisce and, you know, Fitz is going to put some old-timey music, like a little, you know, uh, bar piano. Um <laughs> or fog hat. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, you know, when when high tech came out with that Electron Six, that's what opened the door for me to have more model memories and stuff. Because you know, when you had Fataba receivers, and and that's even the same thing with the two point four. They are just so expensive. You know, sixty, seventy bucks each. You just didn't have that kind of money to spend. Wasn't but, the Electron know, like forty five or fifty bucks? Oh, it was cheaper than that. I think. Well, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I don't think it was had, that expensive. Yeah. I, well, I remember tons. when they came out with the Feather, which was cheap, but man, what a turd that thing was. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think no. it was only single conversion, that's why. <laughs> yeah, it was. And, yeah. No, yeah, the uh, Electron 6 changed changed the way I flew. So, I mean, that was something, I mean, great great for high tech to come out with that. So, I mean, I had them in everything. I still have a whole collection of them because I'm not going to give that up for my old, my old radio when I, you know, when I reminisce with my gliders. Yeah, but, unfortunately, they're not worth anything anymore. Um, one thing I wanted to add that's different with the DX8E versus the DX8, and I have, I've never done this, so I'm curious if you guys have, but the gimbal adjustments are on the front of this transmitter hmm. versus on the back underneath the grips on the DX8. So do you ever make changes to your gimbals, tighten them, change the ratchet or anything, or do you just leave it as stock? Uh, I've, yeah, I don't think I've ever adjusted the tension on mine. I'll change the stick length every now and then, but that's about it. I have on rare occasion. Usually when I first get the radio, I'll tweak it to the way I like it and then not touch it after that. Okay. Well, that's an option. It, again, it's kind of I, I would say that's one of the improvements they made to, to move it from having to dis, disassemble the back plates mm. to make adjustments and being on the front and you know do it rather quickly. So that's that's good. I mean, if, if you need to make adjustments. <clears throat> and also it has a mode switch change. It's actually uh, patent pending. Uh, where you can change the mode of the transmitter on the fly on the back. There's a. Uh, did you all see the switch on the back? Yeah, I saw that. I was going to uh, mention well, that. If I had a nickel for every time I wanted to change modes when I was at the field. You'd be poor. Yeah, what a lifesaver. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I, only I could use ailerons on the left stick with this flight. If only you could text your friends when you're heading to the field. <laughs> hey, actually, I, I had one time that would have come in real handy. What? Changing mode or texting your friend? No, changing mode. Sorry. <laughs> Not texting my friend. <laughs> okay. Why? What, when you had like a reverse ailerons or something? No, I was Even that I was visiting in a foreign country and I visited a flying uh, field and they were flying all in mode one. And and I was talking to one guy and, and he actually offered to let me fly, try his plane 
But I said, no, you're on mode one. I'm not touching that with a 10-meter cattle prod. <laughs> <laughs> People not in the hobby don't understand the stress <laughs> from handling yes. a mode one versus a mode two. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, wait, why is the steering wheel on the right side? Yeah, exactly. Imagine getting in a car and the, the pedal is on the dashboard and the steering wheel is on the floorboard. <laughs> well, that's it's throttle and aileron on the left stick, correct? And then elevator and rudder on the right uh yes i think that's it yes so i you know maybe if i really concentrated really hard i could do it but it wouldn't be fun so but if i had to just turn the you just turn the transit upside down right (laughs) 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 just stand on your head okay well i did mention that feature in case there are other people out there that like to change modes on the fly (laughs) if they can't decide what country they're from (laughs) it would be a, a good fun fly event (laughs) yeah there you go here's my transmitter (laughs) no that'd be a great event flight is playing on mode one without any practice oh we but hey you know what that's that's that reminds me didn't we have a challenge we were supposed to do where we said everything had to be backwards or something yeah that's gonna have let's let's make sure we follow up on that because that that was pretty funny when we talked about it yeah the mode one challenge let's yeah the mode one one challenge i love it All right, shall we move on? Yes, uh, Terry, <laughs> your uh, tail end Charlie, what you got? All right, um, do you guys use ammo cans to store any of your lipos? Uh, yes. Yes, I do, as a matter of fact. Yeah, so do I. I've got a couple 50 caliber cans that I've been using for a long time. And I use it mostly for my larger batteries. And basically, I just shove them in there. And then recently, I got to review a new product, which is basically a caddy that organizes the stuff you put in your ammo can. So it's the plywood thing and it just creates pockets that make it nice and easy to put the batteries in. And it's got little dividers so you can size each of the pockets depending on whether it's small batteries or big batteries. But I thought it was a neat little device and it worked out really well. Now, I think they said it fits inside of an ammo can. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it fits right inside no, the 50 caliber. Yeah. So it's designed to you know, clean up the inside of your 50 caliber can. Huh. So you move- so that you don't you don't just stack everything in there. You organize it. Even with the handle, it, it looks like it has a handle on it. Yeah. So when you get to the field, you can just pull it out and you have everything accessible. Interesting. Yeah, it works pretty well. <clears throat> now you said 50 caliber. I'm not an expert on ammo boxes. The ones I got, I got from Harbor Freight. Are those are those or are they not 50 caliber ammo boxes? Uh- most of the popular ones are 50 cal. There's also some 30 caliber cans. Um, I don't know. You have to look at it. I forget what the dimensions are, but... Oh, you know what? I've got one right here. Stand by, por favor. So, a standard 50 caliber ammo can is about 11 inches... By five and a half by seven. Okay. That's so if yours matches that, this will probably that fit. Sounds about the size of the ones I got from Hover Freight, if not yeah. a little bigger. So, okay. Yeah. Did you guys take the gaskets out? I hope you took the gaskets yes, out. Yes, took the gaskets out. Okay. <laughs> Don't leave the gaskets in unless you are into bomb making. Right. So, and speaking of that, um, yeah, I wrote a the review on this and one person commented that it was kind of dumb to make a, a battery caddy out of wood because I guess the theory is that it's just more fuel for the fire. But my thinking is that if this 
can full of batteries sets off, that wood's going to be such an insignificant amount of fuel that it's not going to matter. Yeah, once you get the thermal runaway, it, 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 it's just going to go up. It right. doesn't matter if it's encased in glass or wood or gasoline. It's not going to make a whole lot of difference. Yeah. So. Anyway, but. so I thought it was a neat little device. It's 20 bucks and it's a kit you put together, but you know, there's nothing to it, so it goes together in a few minutes. I stained mine. I don't know if that's necessary, but it'll help it look nicer for a little while. Okay. And uh, where do you get this from? Parkscalemodels.com. Ah, well, there you go. Well, good for them. Yeah, I'll put up a link to, um, I guess, the product and the review if anybody's interested. Yeah, I guess you could make one from acrylic. Use the same files and just laser cut some acrylic. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I was wondering what other options there would be that that you could use for that that are strong enough. Because, yeah. you know, you get uh, several of these batteries, and it's a pretty hefty load in there. Yeah. So... Yeah, I guess acrylic would work. Okay. All right, then. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, the big news of the week, of course, is the buyout of HobbyCo by Horizon Hobbies. Uh, this wasn't a total surprise, but it is still sort of one of those things like, you know, is this really happening? Can, you know, do I need to pitch myself? Uh, as we know, Horizon, uh, HobbyCo was in uh, bankruptcy, and it filed for Chapter 11. They were looking to see, I guess, sell assets and see what kind of buyers they get. And so apparently, uh, from what I understand, word on the street was Horizon made the one and only bid for it, and it was accepted uh, for some $18 million, so, to, so I heard. And so now uh, I think it, the takeover happens pretty quickly, and Horizon, uh, Hobby Co., and I believe it was Tower Hobbies, Ravel, no, not, not Ravel, I think it was just the... Hobby Co, Tower Hobbies, Great Plains, and Arma, and a few others will be part of Horizon. I understand they did not get Estes Rockets or Ravel, and I think there was one other thing that was in there that they didn't get. Where did you find this list? Uh, this is poking around. Uh, apparently there was some news reports that people were quoting uh, on the forums. Okay. Uh, I think there's some... Did they mention Axial Racing? I think they did, but I don't remember what that was. I think that's part of the deal with Horizon. I think they okay, do get that'll that. be interesting. Uh, so that, that it's interesting. Of course, the big question is, what's going to happen to HobbyCo and the subsidiaries? Is Horizon going to merge everything in? Are they going to kill off some of the brands? Uh, is Tower going to be left and HobbyCo get killed off? You know, this is some interesting business decision. And of course, you know, this is not just a... Uh, a vacuum. There's people that work for HobbyCo, and lots of them, several hundred, and and their jobs are on the line. What's going to happen to them? Who's going to be merged in? And who may be looking for other employment? Uh, what are you guys well, hearing? Well, I heard from, uh, I guess one of those, 
web forums that everybody who worked at Hobbyco had to basically reapply for their job at Horizon. And I think the decisions were going to be made today. So, yeah, I guess we'll be hearing about that soon. Or we won't hear about it. I don't know. But I think the decisions will be made soon. And hoping for the best. Yeah, yeah. It's This should be really interesting as far as injuries is concerned because we had two, basically two two giant distributors that were left in the United States. And in, in a way, we kind of benefited from having two separate distributors because the competition and the back and forth between the two. And now, essentially, there's only going to be one large RC distributor in the U.S. Yeah, it's, um, I won't quite call them monopoly, but it'll be interesting to see what happens to the industry now. At least in North America. Right. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are concerned about what's going to happen with Futaba. Yeah. Which Futaba is their own company, but <clears throat> they were distributed exclusively by Hobbyco or Great Plains, whatever their distributing arm was. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, because yeah. we were just talking Spectrum. Of course, Spectrum was a big rival to Futaba. Right. I think it would be an unusual business position to have those competing brands under one umbrella. Mm. So I don't know if they're picking them up or if somebody else is going to pick them up or. Who knows? Well, the question is, who's left? We've lost Global. We've lost Hobby People. Um, Hobby Express. Hobby Express. Now, there is Motion RC guys, which seem to be picking up more product line. And, of course, there's a myriad of smaller cottage companies out there as well. So. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be one of those bigger businesses. Mm. That's true. But Or, you know, Futaba could do it themselves. Uh, I think the most of their business is based on industry, so I oh, yeah. think RC is just one aspect. Well, yeah, Kyoshu did that too for a while, didn't they? They basically broke off from Hobbyco and did their own thing for a while. Right. Yeah. When's the last time you had a, a Grotner product? Because you know we used to buy Grotner stuff from Hobby Express or Hobby, you know, Hobby Lobby. Lobby. Yeah. And then, well, right. it's Hobby Express, so now they're gone. So what has what has happened to Grotner? Um, they had a different uh, importer for a while. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Grappner USA, wasn't it? I think they're around now, but I don't know if they were, always were. Yeah. Now, Grappner had gone out of, went had some sort of bankruptcy or financial issues, and they were bought out by somebody. And so they're, they're back, but nowhere near like they used to be. At least not yeah. in North America. They're probably fairly okay in Germany and, and on the mainland of Europe. But, um, you know, really, they were pushed really pretty hard by Hobby Lobby. But since their you know, Hobby Express is gone in Hobby Lobby, yeah, where are we? Well, uh, what I wanted to bring to this conversation, which uh, you know, I emailed you guys, is you know what what brands are we most likely going to lose? And you know, my I say most likely, I guess in fear, you know, Great Plains, Electrofly, Tactic, Flyzone, you know, these were really synonymous with Hobbyco, and and as you mentioned Fataba, but I think Fataba will will be okay because they're they're pretty popular i think they're going to be find a way to get distributed um but you know i i worry about those because uh, i mean you can correct me if i'm wrong but i think great plains was one of the, the better balsa kit builders that we still had in the industry and yeah does that does horizon even have kits i don't think i don't think they do i don't think they do either i mean they sell resell phoenix stuff right Phoenix model. Wait, are you talking art? I'm talking or? kit kits, like old kit, fashioned kit yeah. balsa wood. Kit kits. Yeah. You get a box or of wood, make plane. I think, um, yeah, I think Horizon sold Seagull, right? Seagull models. Uh, yeah, but those are ours, aren't they? 
Um, no, some of them were kids. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. All right, I'm going to check you on that, Lee. So there's a whole kit line. You know, one of the things, great things about our Hobbyco is they had all kinds of kits from Great Plains, Dumas, uh, uh, I don't know if Flight's in there anymore, but all kinds of stuff. And now that could either be a good thing in that, hey, now Hobbyco, now, not Hobbyco, Horizon, why did that both start with H's? Horizon now has kits <clears throat> that they didn't have before, or are they going to say, no, kits are, are a dying thing, we don't want to get involved with them? Well, I mean, that would be okay. There's still the cottage industry out there that's supplying our kit needs. Mm. So I, I'm not worried about that going away. It'd be nice if there were other options, but this this particular merger doesn't concern me that it's going to kill off kit building. Oh, no, no. I, I, my, by no means am I saying that. I'm just saying the access to some of the, the legacy companies, such as uh, Top Flight, which are still well, fairly popular. Uh, well, that's true. I didn't think about the bigger ones like Top Flight. And Top Flight just released a new model, right? Uh, but it's an ARF. It's the Hellcat. Mm. So, yeah, I, I feel like the more popular stuff will get picked up by somebody because there's money to be made, and nobody's just going to leave that on the table. Right. So which, but, what, know, what brands I, do you think are going to be gone? Do you think Flyzone's going to survive? Do you think Tactic? I don't know. I think for any of those things, let's say Flyzone, They've got some really nice models that I assume sell well, so maybe rather than just disappearing, those successful models will just be folded into a, another brand. Yeah, I can. Well, the, okay. But the problem with that is Flyzone, the, the ready-to-flyer SLT. Well, right. They'll become you know, Spectrum, Safe Select, AS3X, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, what's to prevent them from, instead of putting a tactic receiver in it, just put an AS3X receiver in it at the factory. Right, which a lot of people claim that tactics or towers or hobby codes, whatever you want to label it, their failure to really grasp onto that ready-to-fly market in micros is kind of what hurt them. Mm. Well, yeah, anything we say is, is pure speculation. We have no particular insight. 100%. Yes. We know nothing. We have no more insider information. Than we know anybody. nothing about these things. So ultimately, it's going to be a business decision. What, what do they think will sell? What they think won't sell? What they think they can make a decent profit profit off of what won't uh, interfere with their current brands. There's probably a whole lot of decisions going on that they're going to have to make at this point. Yeah, and I think it'll be a long time for before all the dust settles. Yeah. But I would expect some pretty rapid changes in the beginning, or the biggest changes at the beginning, when you know they're making the, the, the hard decisions, and then... Yeah. yeah. Probably the biggest decision right now is staffing. Who, the employees... Yeah. And that's, that's going to be, you know, um, the biggest thing. And then I guess you'll probably see a, a staged change in what products will be offered from the previous HobbyCo and its subsidiaries. Right. Yeah, I, you know, we talked about Toledo. That starts today. It's going to be very interesting because I think both companies have booths there. Uh, they're being represented. Uh, yeah. This is the, the very kickoff of the transition. So I would imagine those poor folks are answering as many questions about what's next is there about the products on hand is Habico so Habico is going to be there or maybe they have one of those big sumo mats set up <laughs> that's how they're selling everything well I, we all got the email from Horizon Hobby that they were sending out notices to uh, people who had purchased from Tower Hobbies that 
you know, their information was going to be carried over Horizon. So if you wanted to opt out, you could. But their deadline was today. So with that deadline announcement, I'm kind of wondering how soon do you think we're going to see changes? Do you think Tower is still going to sell online for quite some time? Do you think this will take several months or do you think we'll see changes rapidly? No, I would expect to see some announcements in the next week or two. The actual changes that come from those announcements might take longer, but uh, you know, look at the sale only took a week. My guess is they're probably not going to really know themselves until they take a really close look at Hobbyco's financials. But I don't think they want to stay in limbo any longer than they have to. No, no, but uh, I, I wouldn't expect anything too soon. Well, I don't know. I have no idea. My Just my thought is if I was running a business, you know, I'd be wary of making... I'd probably have things go more or less as they are now until I really analyze the financials from Hobbyco and the subsidiaries. I doubt, I don't know. Sometimes, I guess, if you, they may have had already an insight to the financials, um, yeah, but I don't know how that worked, um, if they were allowed that or not with a, with a bankruptcy. I, I'm not informed, or I don't know, I'm not that knowledgeable, but that's just my thoughts. Okay. Well, I don't know if you guys put your list together, but let's, um, for the sake of, our podcast and conversation. If if Horizon made a purchase of Hobbyco in an effort to okay, let's get rid of the competition and let's focus on our stuff and not theirs, and let's get rid of products that we don't need to worry about. And I'm just going to throw out, like I said, Great Plains Tactic, Flyzone, a couple other model kits. Is there something you'd want to get your hands on right away? And not fear, but just to say, gosh, I really would hate to lose an opportunity of getting that that aircraft or that, that technology or that equipment before it's, it's not available anymore or like anything from electrify electrify. I'm partial to the rimfire motors. I like those. And yeah, it's kind of hard to imagine that the e-flight motors and the rimfire motors will both stick around, but I like the e-flight motors too. So I, I wouldn't be unhappy with those. I don't know. I, gosh, there's so much in their inventory. Yeah. Fitz, did you have anything? Any like? I mean, I'm not assuming Fataba's going to go by the wayside, but anything? You don't you have Fataba? Yeah, I do have a Fataba. Um, I don't fly it all that much. I have it for a few select planes. Um, I really have a hard time thinking of anything to, to, that I would really need to jump on. I'm more of a as I need it kind of person. Okay, well let's let's try this. Uh, since I'm trying to keep you guys talking, <laughs> you're very quiet. Yeah, right, hard let's, questions. Let's, let's well, okay. Let's let's uh, make a, a, a sad assumption that maybe Great Plains is going to be done away with. Okay. Yes. If Great Plains goes away, what would you want from a Great Plains kit, ARF, ready to fly, that you'd like to purchase if they had a <clears throat> a, a, a sellout? Sell off, rather. Sorry. I might poke around and see what kind of top flight kits are left. If there's gonna, if those are gonna go away, uh, I, do, I do like to build kits on occasion, so that would be an interest. Uh, Terry made an interesting point about the rimfire motors. Uh, I might consider picking some up for some projects. Do you have a bird of time? Mm, no. Well, I got a little mini one, but no, no, not a powered one. No, negative. Oh, so yeah, you know, maybe a bird of time. 
a nice big one would be interesting. I got one. Nanner, 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 nanner. We know you do. You know, I was thinking I, I have an escapade. I, I'd get another one. Which size? <laughs> I have the, the 40. Okay. I thought you've had a few of those. I have one escapade with two wings. Okay. But, uh, I mean, it's Not at the same time. No. <laughs> yeah, there we go. This could be uh, pipe. No, but I'm also thinking uh, I'm, I might get one of the, if, if it's available, although it says mid-April right now, but one of the uh, Goldberg uh, Cubs. Oh, the kit? Yeah. Yeah, get a, yeah that's a classic. Yeah, get the big one. Since oh. Austin has one, and you know, he's got the big one, you know. So you know, I don't. I think you knew about that when someone gave it to him. It's an old beat up kit. So. Oh right, right. Yeah, it did some TLC. Yeah, mm. so maybe get one of those. Uh, I've I've never seen this one, but they've got a PBY, ARF. I don't know if that's a good flyer or not. Huh. But I see that on the list, but I don't have a bird of time. I've never had a bird of time, so I was thinking maybe I'd get the ARF. I'm not. I'm not sure if I'd get the big one. We talked about it on our show. I mean, the big, they're all the same size, aren't they? Oh, I think. Um, which one am I looking at? Is the kid a little smaller? I don't think so. Because it's eighty nine dollars. That's one hundred eighteen. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought this one was a little smaller than than that newer one. I bet the box is a lot smaller. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Have glue will travel. Um, All right. Yeah. So speaking of that, I think um, the Monaco could be. Uh, <gasps> Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, tower code's going to be gone. Forget that. Yeah, they'll they'll get yeah, rid I'll, of tower code. Yeah, tower code. Yeah, yeah, that's the five dollars stuff that I like. Maybe that's what I'll hoard. Yeah, yeah stock go. up on that. Yeah, that's a good point. Get the hot pink. Get all the hot pink you can. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I had a I had a plane that was partially hot pink at one point. There's no uh, shame in that. All right. Well, it was a friend of mine. He built a trainer for his son. And he, had, and he oh a friend yeah well it's funny because he asked his son you know what colors do you want this plane and his son picked yellow and pink oh. <laughs> so I'm fine with either one of those but together it, it was a yellow and pink trainer plane it was 40 size I forgot what it was it might have been a, a PT40 or something like that uh, but it was it was a you know, nice plane and flying and I ended up trading it with him for something because I wanted the launch gliders off of it and uh, I had it for quite a while and I eventually sold it but uh, yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to pose the question on our uh, Facebook page next week. But I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to be negative. But if there was a great plane kit, and in possibility that it might go away, uh, or any other brand that Towers might uh, lose with the sale, you know, what would you want to get your hands on? I'd be curious what people. You know, I like. You're right, uh, Terry. The Monocoat is a. I mean, I like Monocoat. When we did the Cubs, I preferred Monocoat over the other brands. So. You use Monocoat? I thought you used Tower Coat. Uh, I remember I used three. I used three different kinds. Oh, right, right. Okay. (laughs) So if I remember right, Tower Coat is basically the old Econocoat. Correct. Mm. Which I liked it. I thought it worked Yeah, I like the low heat, using the low heat coverings. I don't really really like the high heat ones all that much. Just a personal preference. Maybe I got a bad batch, but I I did not like the characteristics of it. Monocoat, I, I really do enjoy. To each his own. Yeah. Okay. You buy up all the Monaco, we'll buy up all the Tower Coat. There you go. <laughs> and Horizon has their stuff. Ultra Coat. Or, Ultra Coat. Ultra right? Coat, yeah. yeah. Which is very nice stuff, Which too. I'm sh- yeah, I'm sure I've used it before, but nothing sticks in my memory about good or bad. Hmm. Um, well, and um, to, to close this conversation, I've been a big 
longtime customer of Tower Hobbies. My dad and I, you know, bought stuff in the late 70s. And I mean, I, you guys know I have a lot of old catalogs and uh, it's, it's, it's they're going to be worth millions now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 I, I, it's a sad oh. day because I, I think competition's healthy for industry. Uh, it's a good t- day because at least Horizon's going to acquire some of the assets and try to keep this hobby going. I think that's much better than it just going away and, you know, not making a bid. You'd like to think that Horizon's going to look out for their customers and, and try to keep as many products that people are interested in. I, I'm, I'm hoping that. I mean, I'm, I'm really hopeful for it. Um, and I do hope that the employees at Tower Hobbies uh, you know, either are able to transition to Horizon or you know, yeah. find something else they want to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, other companies that, that were not part of the bid, you mentioned Estes. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm a big rocket guy, too, so I'd, I'd love to see them stay in business and we'll see how it goes and then if we get any news that we can share or if we as soon as we see it coming from the horizon or our towers uh, emails or our website we'll share them with you guys on our facebook page all right sounds like a plan oh one last thought if i recall horizon was spawned off of employees that came from tower or great plains correct you think they're laughing gleefully today <laughs> you think of the irony <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Lee, you had uh, something else on your mind? I did. Uh, we have been having fun on Facebook sharing uh, planes. And we actually talked about this. We talked about the Fly Zone, DC-3, and C-47. And in the conversation, Terry had mentioned he would love to uh, replicate, replicate, reproduce, replicate, do whatever, uh, you know, build, <laughs> build. Uh, I think replicate was what I was looking for. Uh, the, uh, the C 47 pulling a, uh, a Waco glider CG. Was it CG four a C? What is it? You got it, buddy. Woo-hoo. And, uh, he's been sending pictures and it's awesome, especially because he's using a champ wing. I caught it right off the bat. <laughs> that was great. And then Fitz turned around and showed his DC three that he's reviewing. And then I, uh, I went ahead and ordered one. I got a DC-3 too, and then I posted my photos. And it made me think, uh, for just for fun conversation with you guys, uh, name some of the your favorite microplanes that you have purchased. Because uh, this has been you know a lot of very popular. I, I love my FlyZone P38, so I think the DC-3 was you know a, a good choice to, to add to my collection. But uh, what do you guys have that you know in your collection of little you know? I say might just say micro because I think Horizon calls them UMX. But what what do you have that you like? That's you know that you can throw in a box or throw in the car and go fly. I'm going to throw you a curveball right off the bat here. If I'm talking oh. amount of fun and laughs per dollar, the most fun I've had with any micro was this Airhog's Bipe, probably eight or nine years ago, that I bought at Target for twenty bucks. It was, uh, I guess, two channel rudder and throttle. It would climb with throttle, and it was bang bang rudder. And man, that thing was so much fun. You could bounce it off trees. It would do anything. And you know, she's a little transmitter, but lots of fun. And hey, I you think know, that's... Go ahead. No, you, you, it's great that you said that because you reminded me, and I'm pretty sure it was in Air Hogs, uh, when Austin was about four years old, I think Air Hogs had a differential thrust airplane. And I'm going to say, Terry, maybe you even introduced me to it. Oh, maybe that's what... Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm, I got it confused. There was another plane... The Enum, which was a, a fly zone plane, that was a bang bang rudder. The Airhawks plane was differential thrust. You're right. 
Yeah, and I've actually built. I I took one of the air hogs and built one of the blue babies. Do you remember the big popular uh, scratch built on RC groups? Oh, it's yeah. one of the most popular. Well, I built a mini blue baby using the equipment from one of those air hogs. You just I, I completely forgot about it until you mentioned that, and I that was the funnest little thing we we goof off with, <laughs> you know, because he'd chase it around. It was very it was great for the gym. So yeah, that's another good one. Did you say funnest? Funnest. It's the more funnest. Uh, is it a word now? The mostest funnest. Oh, oh, resident God, English major. <laughs> oh man. So anyway, that's <laughs> anything else, Terry? Before we switch to fits. <laughs> no, I've got, I don't know how many of off-the-shelf Ultra Micros I've had. I tend to favor the the um, slower flying ones, like a Vapor, but I've had the B25 too. While it's fun, I think the Vapor is more my flying style. So, and the brushless ones, man, I like them. Yeah. So I, how can you pick one? They're all so much fun. Well, I made a quick list of the ones I still have in my collection. I have the the first, besides that air hog, the first like RC fly zone, uh, excuse me, plane that I got was the fly zone playmate. I won that at best many, many oh, yeah. years ago. And then I got, uh, Austin got the hobby zone champ, which we also got at best. I think, uh, I think that's a classic one now. Oh yeah. And we're never going to get rid of that. In fact, I, I found a, uh, a fuselage at, uh, at the, uh, Georgetown swap meet. And this guy was giving it away pretty much. So I just threw that in the, the bag and that's just, just in case. But I have the, the hobby zone champ. I've got a great planes F86 saber Fitz And I both have that. I've got a, a fly zone P 38. Uh, I bought that UMX Corsair for myself for Christmas last year. And now I've got that, uh, that DC three. Oh, Oh. And also I have Terry's thunder and lightning that you made for me, which that's is awesome. Right. Well, it's, it's mine now, but it's the Terry version of the micro thunder lightning. So are there any of those that you f- actually fly in your front yard? Oh, the champ. I okay. mean, Austin flies the champ all the time. I've flown the P-38, but I'd prefer to fly that at, you know, a little bit of something where I'm not going to hit a tree and then really kick myself. Right. That fits. I never was really big into the ultra micros, although I do, you know, as Lee was telling up his list, I was kind of checking mine. I was like, you know, I do have a bunch of them now. They they, they sneak up on you. They do. They usually <laughs> sneak up on me. It's like, wait, I had this? Oh, yeah, I've forgotten about that one. Uh, for, for my flying style, I probably the two best ones that I really fond of are the Inversa and the new Shrike. Uh, Inversa? What's an Inversa? Uh, it's sort of a, it's a sport. It looks a lot like a Sukhoi. It's it's a UMX made by Horizon. Oh, okay. It's yellow who, and blue. Who make, What's that? Who makes the Shrike? Who makes the Shrike? That's the new one from Horizon. The, um, the E-Flight. Oh, wow. The little one. Okay. Who talked about it before? Oh, the Aero Commander. Yeah, Aero Commander. Shrike yeah. Aero Commander. Oh, I was thinking... I think like you call the, it a Shrike, but yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought... Because there, I was thinking the Combat Shrike. No, no, no. Aero Commander. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, wing problems notwithstanding. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> we, well, we that sucker down. The listeners didn't. The listeners don't know. So can you share that story? Okay. So I have uh, the 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 E Flight Aero Commander, uh, new one, and so I'm actually going to review it. And so so I was out. Uh, Jeff and I were out uh, last week to do some videotaping. Now that the weather's kind of gotten nicer. And so I'm zooming around, having a good old time. It was a little breezy out, but I was just kind of putting it through spaces. And I do a pass over the runway, and all of a sudden I hear a... 
And I see that the wing and fuselage are no longer um, related to each other. <laughs> they got divorced. They got divorced. They had a in-flight divorce. And so it, it kind of flutters down and smacks on the runway. Uh, and so it's pretty much on video when this happened. Uh, so I was like, what the heck? So uh, fortunately, the damage is not too bad, although it did break the nose wheel. I had to fix that. But it looks like I can put it back together without any issues. But it's interesting in that apparently the way the wing is held on is basically double-sided tape and a little bit of glue. Oh, there's glue on there too? I think there was a little bit of glue in the middle, but it didn't look like a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't look like there was whole much near the leaning edge, uh, which is the most stressful part. So right. It's that variable incidence feature you didn't know about. Yeah, so the plane can self-disassemble in the air. So I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> so I was like, oh, man. It didn't it's rip a... any wires or anything? It didn't look like it did, no. Uh, so the wires kept it all together. It did pull the the glue joints off the controller board. So that's kind of kind of flopping around. So I'm going to have to put it back together. It looks like it should be pretty easy to put back together. And the damage looks mainly cosmetic uh, and not too bad, despite landing on the runway. Right. But it was a rather shocking thing. Uh, so, <laughs> but before that happened, that's a fantastic plane. It flies really nice. And it's just, like you said, brushes power. It's got gobs of power. Yeah. The thing's insane. Uh, I've heard some people are putting three cells in there. Uh, it doesn't need three cells. Yeah, I don't that's, know why they would. That, that's just silly. What size battery are you using? I was, I've used a two cell 350 and a two cell 700 even. Okay. Yeah. I was using an 800 of mine and it's almost, you can't put it back far enough to not be nose heavy. It flies well. It flies really well. I was really surprised, impressed with it. So hopefully I'll put it back together and finish the little video thing I was going to do of it. Yeah. Uh, and in, in Verza, I actually didn't buy it. I got that in a trade with Jeff. And it turned out to be actually a really nice plane. It's a very aerobatic. You can crank the controls up until it's just a blur when it rolls. Just how you like it. Just how I like it. Yeah, roll like a drill bit, as they say. So for my flying styles, I'm not really, I don't have any really putt-putt planes um, I, I did. You mentioned F-86, Lee. Uh, sadly, the F-86 is no more. I don't... What? I, I killed it. But see, here's the great thing about the UMX planes. You almost always kill only the airframe. Yeah, so yeah. So you just pull the guts out and... In fact, I did that. I pulled the guts out, stuck it in a little A-10 I have from some unknown Chinese company that flies okay. Uh, did you just buy another fan unit? I just bought another fan unit, so it's from them. So, and that worked pretty good. Uh, that F-86 was an odd plane because you had to launch it just right. Otherwise, it would pitch up into a stall and not come out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would, I eventually learned to toss it underhand at half throttle. Oh, okay. And that seemed to work much better than trying to overhand it and bring the throttle up. Now you tell him. That was a smoking hulk in the ground. Now you tell him. <laughs> so that's, well, I had, that's for me. So. I had... I had some issues with mine because uh, it would uh, lock up on me. I, th- I don't know if you were with me that one time when I was having the transmitter issues with it. Uh, but when I switched it to the um, the tactic, uh, no no more problems. Hmm. So I, I still want to say those little transmitters are, are issues. Yeah, I had a problem too with the tactic. I had one. Oh yeah, it just reminded me. I had the other. Uh, what is the other one that um, the micro tactic? Like a high wing, kind of like a... The Stinson kind of, Voyager? Yeah, Stinson Voyager. 
That was fun. That's what we did banner towing without it best. Yes. Remember, I had a problem with that with the stock transmitter. Oh, right. You linked your Aurora, didn't you? Yeah, I had it linked by Aurora, which has SLT, and it, it flew much better. Stock Isn't that Dromeda? Isn't that a Dromeda? Yeah, it's a Dromeda. Yes, yeah, so it's a Dromeda Voyager, uh, which was once a fairly nice flying plane once you change the transmitter. The stock transmitter was just terrible uh, for me. And speak, speaking of, it's on sale right now on Tower. Is it? FYI. Throwing that ad in there. Yeah. Yes, I think it's $49. Okay. There just two things with that plane. The transmitter was, uh, I think, subpar, and it was the, the uh, prop shaft was delicate. It was uh, <laughs> when you ran into the ground. Well, well, yeah, I ran to the ground because it because tra- it glitched itself into the ground and it, it snapped off the prop transmitter. Although I was able to fix it, I drilled it out and JB welded it back to the stub, and it, and it never had any problems after that. So it's fixable. Uh, but other people had the same problem too, where there's a stress point just because there's threads on this little tiny one millimeter shaft, and it is a major stress point. So if you hit the ground, it'll snap off with not much uh, convincing. So, anyways, that's just me. Any other micros you have? Um, I got a P seventeen. Ooh, yeah, the one uh, that's a, that's also a UMX one, isn't it? Yeah, that's a Horizon. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know you had that though. Yeah, I got it. it was a, kind of a thing of opportunity. Somebody I knew was selling Ooh. it really cheap. And I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. Um, it because Lee, I think you had one too, didn't you? Yeah, I had one. Yeah. What happened? And I'm, I was gl- I was glad to sell it. Huh. I got mine to fly okay, but I had to use a bigger battery pack in it. I had to have a, I had to, I had to add a lot of. I mean, you, you remember this conversation? I apologize. I don't remember the name of the guy who we talked to at uh, EFest, but the guy who developed it. Oh yeah, yes, right, yes, you did, yes. Yeah. And I was talking <clears throat> to him, and he was flying his, and I was like, "Hey, did you have problems with it?" And I didn't know who he was. And then he introduced himself as the guy who designed it. I said, "Well, you, you," and, and I kept going. But I, <laughs> I read the right stop. act. Oh, <laughs> I, that was David Payne, wasn't it? I was. I, I didn't let down. I was like, "Well, I'm telling you, I had to." He goes, "No, you did. You didn't have to add nose weight." I said, "Oh, I had to add nose weight." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had to put a lot of nose weight in that thing, and, and it was okay. But I, I was able to get pretty much my money back at. Uh, uh, at best, some guy saw it. And I had a sale sign, and he took it. And he didn't. And you know, it was, it was pretty, and it was in good condition. But um, I don't know. It just it didn't uh, didn't wow me. I think you talked to David Payne. Okay. Once I got the nosewood in there, it flew better. And there was a couple other changes I had to make. But uh, yeah, I had a I had a B seventeen. All right. Well, I need to find out for myself. So Fitz, when you get tired of yours, let me know. Um, I'll let you know. <laughs> you, you, you've been notified, actually. If you're interested okay. in it, yeah, uh, we'll talk offline. All right. Well, uh, and for the listeners, I, I kind of wanted to squeeze this in here. I have a feeling, a sneaky feeling, that the three of us are all doing reviews on the new FlyZone C47 DC3. Is that correct? You know we are. We're doing a three <laughs> right, well, I'm, do- I'm, I'm doing one, too. So I will have my review up. I'm probably going to do mine next week for Raviation. Uh, I already, I'm not going to mention any comments, but I sure have some <laughs> on this plane. Oh, I got some too. Uh, all right. I can't wait. So maybe then the, can we all get together and talk about it on our next episode? We're going to do a three view show, right? Oh, on okay. So that'll be for the next one. I don't know. Oh, cool. yeah. If it stops snowing, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Put skis on yours. <laughs> well, I'll, I will say I have a, a lot of pros versus cons on this one. How's that for my teaser? All right, okay. don't say any more. Okay, I won't say any more. Shut up, Lee. 
<laughs> uh, Alrighty then. Well, that's all I had. That's all I had about micros. I I, I like my collection. I think my favorite is the P thirty eight, and I gotta find a, another new in box because that thing just flies great. That's definitely one of my favorites. It's very very fun to fly and agile. But you know, the Champ has also been a workhorse. So if you can get your hands on a, on a the original Fly Zone Champ, that is a great micro. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah, it's a universal favorite. Yeah. Right. I got one more comment on them. You know, I talked earlier about how you can pull the guts out and build your own thing, which I've done several times. But I always have to remind myself that it's no less level of effort to build a micro than a larger model. Mm. And in some instances, it's probably more effort. So I've been building this Waco glider, and I started it thinking, oh, yeah, I'll take an afternoon and I'll whip these parts out and it'll be done. No, not at all. So I finally got it to the point where I think it's airworthy, and I started putting paint on it last night, but I have no idea how many hours I have invested in it, but it's a lot. So this darn thing better fly. Uh, it probably will. Just keep at it. <laughs> are you gonna Are you gonna interview pilots to help you uh, fly it? I have to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's gonna get old clipboard. Right hand mode one, left hand mode two, two different transmitters. Hmm. <laughs> I have one last thing. Uh, speaking of micros, one thing I really want to do, and I've started on some project, but just haven't gotten around finishing, is to convert some to make micro planes out of some of those old Gillows rubber band powered planes, the oh, stick yeah. and tissue type stuff, and actually yeah. make it stick and tissue and microelectric. Yeah, lots of people have done that. Yeah, nowadays it's pretty pretty easy. Just I just always wanted to do that for a couple. I have a couple that I wanted to do. Yeah, just... yeah. which Axis airplane are we talking about? Please? Yeah, or which Japanese plane? <laughs> But well, that's not important right now. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I do it is what I'm getting at. <laughs> well, hey, uh, I'm gonna Axis lives tra- matter. Axis <laughs> planes matter. Axis planes matter. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, thanks for sharing that little topic of conversation. What's next, Fitz? Are we taking a break, or are we? Continuing on. Yeah, continue on. You can take a break when you're dead. All right, so uh, I think last time I talked about having a, a boat float fun float fest thing. I, mean, I still can't remember the name I called it. But so we had it. Uh, <laughs> so the the boat event went on as planned. The weather was okay, not terrible, but not great either, but it was decent. Uh, we had a, a few people that had to cancel at the last minute, Lee. So, and some you other didn't people. did go, Lee? No, something about his wife or something. I don't know. Not, not really important. Man, you need uh, to check your priorities, dude. Yeah. Anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I can't miss that. And I you realized last important. minute, she should have been mad at you anyway. I, I should have rescheduled it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get get divorced and get married on a different date. Anyway, Fitz. Anyway, so well, we had a decent crowd. There was a few other people that had to cancel, too. It looks like that was just a bad time of the, the month for people. So uh, it wasn't some of the usual crowd. But we did still had a decent amount of people. Yeah, so, yeah, our, our friend Nathan showed up, and him and his uh, family came down with some boat. He had a really neat paddle boat that he scratch-built. Uh, oh, wow. Had a Depron and some other stuff. And so he was sort of he's still working the bugs out a little bit, but he let me drive around a little bit. It was kind of fun. It was neat because it's sort of a, you know, like kind of a, his own interpretation of a river paddle boat. Mm-hmm. And so it uses differential thrust for steering for the most part. He has a rudder, but it doesn't really do anything. Right. But the differential... Th- <laughs> I have planes like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. You can make it spin in place like a tank, which is kind of uh, neat. neat. 
Yeah. Uh, so he showed up, uh, and we had the usual cadre of sailboats and powerboats and some airboats and things like that. Although I had an incident. Oh, no. Yeah. Did you lose your hat again? No, I lost a boat. <laughs> How do you lose a boat? What? I lost a sub? Boat. No, not the sub. I brought my sub, and I didn't lose that one. That, that went up and down. Uh, but I had a, uh, a little tiny speedboat. The thing is basically all battery and motor and not much boat. And so things just go screaming across the pond. And uh, sometimes it'll it'll jump up in the air really neat. And it, it's self-riding, so it'll flip upside down, and you can hit the throttle and right by its side back up. But it, it went across the pond and then just did a submarine and didn't come back up. I don't know what happened. It just kind of skipped across, kind of dived in the water, and didn't come back up. It, I've had it do that before, but it always comes back up. This is the first time it didn't, so we suspect it might have got snagged underwater by something. Well, is that the same one I saw you running last time? Yeah, the little tiny one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, same one. Oh. Yeah, so now it's so, a permanent resident of the pond, apparently. Oh, No way yeah. to go searching for it? Uh, we talked about it, but it's A, it's a little, the pond was very murky. It's a little boat. The, the the only thing is I, I had very little money invested in it, so it's not really a big deal for me. That's the first I've ever heard of a, a boat <laughs> flying away. <laughs> yeah, it sank away in my yeah. case. I guess that happens. It, it happens. I've had it. I actually had my first one of my first RC boats did that many, 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 many years ago. It was a weird catamaran. No, it wasn't a catamaran. It was a trimaran. It looked like a spaceship. It flew around. I think it hit a log or something, and it sank into the water. <laughs> Even though it had just watched from the watch, and it had flotation stuff in it too, and it just sank into the water. So it happens. It's part of boats. So I'll just live and learn, and make sure I'll make sure my other boats have extra flotation in them. Uh, somebody gave me a good idea. He said, "Glue ping pong balls in your hull." And I thought, "Well, okay. that's pretty good." Except this boat was so small, I don't think a ping pong ball would have fit in it. But for my larger boats, I, I'll, like, I'll do that just for safeguarding. Yeah, I think there's people that show up at the emergency room with ping pong balls in their hole. Be careful. <laughs> but on all, it was a fun, a fun event, and I thank everybody who showed up. They always make it a great thing. They've seen the neat stuff that comes out. Always some really nice boats, uh, scale stuff that, that shows up. Uh, and so I'll have another one, probably another couple of months or so. And the weather should be nicer and uh, and we'll see how that goes. Hopefully I've finished the other boat I've been working on forever and I've started 3D printing. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Forget yeah. about that. Two things, yes. So I had the 3D printed boat I still need to finish. Um, I've just been so busy with other stuff. That's and the I had hydrofoil? That's the hydro hydrofoil, yes. Okay. And I had a new boat out there this weekend. I, I Did I tell you about the catamaran I picked up? I don't think so. Ah, yes, at the swap meet I went to in Austin, I think. Or was it San Antonio? I think it was. Austin. I can't remember. The plastic uh, model one. Yeah, it's made by the same people that make the, you know, Lee the, um, the sixty-five, the um, Dragon Force. Dragon Force. Joy's same, Way. Joy's Way. They make a catamaran, and I saw one at a swap meet. I said, I got it. I have to have that just to try it. Uh, and it's an interesting thing to sail. It's, it's like sailing on hard mode. <laughs> versus my sea wind, which is like sailing on easy mode. If that makes any sense. It does. It, it's, it's, it can be really fast, but it, it's very temperamental. And trying to tack it, it usually, it'll, it'll stop dead in the water very easily. 
when oh. you're trying to do attack on it. Uh, it's not much momentum, and it and you can't really lean it. You know, you can't. Uh, it, it's interesting, and I don't know if I like it or not. I'm gonna just stick with it and see how well I can get to sail it. But it's definitely been an interesting challenge trying to sail it. Oh, cool. So are catamarans more built for high wind or low wind or rough seas? What advantage do they offer? I wouldn't think rough seas would be their forte, but speed. uh, Of course, not like a real one. It can't go up on one pontoon very easily. It'll probably just tip over. Uh, But uh, I think mainly just speed since you got less hull in the water. The thing can accelerate really quick. There's been times where it'll go from stop to full speed in like a blink of an eye. It's really impressive when it does that. Well, interesting. Did you get any photos from the event? Uh, yeah, some photos, and we got some video, too. Oh, good. Have you posted any of that? No, I haven't. I just haven't had a chance oh, to do anything. Of course not. It was the same thing as last time. <laughs> he so eventually many... put it up. I'll eventually will, out- but... Outsource it. <laughs> get someone else to do it for you. <laughs> you work for well, the government. You should have plenty of free time. <laughs> oh, no, don't let me talk about work. They've been dumping so much stuff on me at work that you wouldn't believe. So, you. anyways. So, uh, again, it was a really nice event. And, uh, you know, Lost Boat notwithstanding, I appreciate everybody came out. And uh, we'll do it again. When? Don't know exactly. Probably know, May or June. Maybe June. Check Lee's calendar first. Yeah, I'll confer with Lee first. What days are you free? Well, we're we're going to Arkansas in June, so don't do that. Oh, that's right. Early June, something else in June. I may be going on vacation in June. So it might end up being it sometime in May, mid to late May. Maybe you'll be up here in June. That vacation yes. or a different vacation? No, that, that vacation. That's what yeah. I'm referring to. Yeah. June or July. All right, last up, a couple of events are coming up that uh, I we plan on attending if we can, or the ones I thought was actually kind of interesting. First up is the JSC Warbirds. That's Johnson Space Center. For those of us in Houston, South Houston, uh, at the Space Center, this is normally a closed club. So this is really the only time during the year where visitors can come into the club and fly on a nice uh, paved runway that we have there at the Space Center. And this is the JSC Warbirds. So this is any size Warbird. Come out, electric, gas, glow, whatever. We have a power out there. We'll have uh, food available. Uh, and, and it's always a good time. The, the Warbird Thunder guys usually come out as well to uh, liven up the place. And so Warbird usually, Thunder? What do you call them? The Houston Thunder? What do they call Lee? Texas Warbird Thunder. See? So it was Warbird. Ha! Texas Warbird Thunder guys, which are basically, these, these guys like to fly giant scale Warbirds really aggressively. Okay. And so they're always fun to watch. Uh, we know a lot of them personally. And uh, we look forward to seeing them and whoever else wants to come out, if you just want to look, too. Although, note that since this is on government property, uh, you will need to get on the uh, guest list. So you'll have to email the club president to get on the guest list. Even if you think you may or may not come, it's it's free, just so that the security knows that you're coming in to go to the Warbird Fly-In. So uh, if you go to jscrcc.com, we uh, have a flyer up there on the website and all the pertinent information. Uh, also, another one I thought was interesting. This is up in Richardson, up in the Dallas area. They have something called a Tri-RC Day. Also, in uh, the same day as the J.C. Warbirds, it's uh, April 21st. 
T-R-Y-R-C? Try, yeah. I thought it was an interesting concept where they invite people to come and try flying a model airplane. Okay. I guess they'll stick you on a trainer, either a simulator or a real one, on a buddy box. And if you've never tried an RC model or somebody you think that might be interested in it, you just go up and give it a shot. I thought, well, that's a pretty <laughs> neat concept. The first question they ask you is, how much money do you have? Oh, no, you can't get in this hobby. <laughs> well, you know, obviously to have a trainer with you, but I thought it was neat just to open up the club and have to, for, for the public to come in and try flying a model airplane. That's, uh, that's really nice. I think more clubs should do something like that. Although they have the AMA day, I guess it's kind of like that, but this is, was just their own thing. So if you're in, that, in the Richardson uh, RC Club has information, if you're in that area, uh, I'd, I'd spread the word. Yeah, I'll be going to the NASA event. I posted photos from uh, 2016. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Hopefully when we get the uh, thunderstorm coming in, blowing everything all away. for. <laughs> Did that happen last year? Last year, a year before. We had a rogue, a, a rogue thunderstorm come in and kicked up some high winds and blew some stuff all over the place. And then, then it left, and it was a bright and sunny day. It was really weird. That was during the event? Yeah, during the event. Huh. Very interesting. All right, then. Well, that's uh, I guess, wraps up another show. And, guys, thanks for uh, the lively commentary and topical discussions. And hope everybody else enjoyed the show. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Any last thoughts? Have fun. <laughs> yes, and don't fly like my brother. And don't fly like Fitz. Yeah, no. <laughs> don't glue anything I wouldn't. I, I, I hope the snow disappears, Terry. I hope you can fly soon. Thank you. I'll let the authorities know. All right, well, hopefully next time, Terry will be snowless and we can uh, have a nice DC3 discussion. Until next time, see you later. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts. Where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.